And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 223 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. How you doing this week? I'm okay. I had a big project finish a phase one launch Friday and um, surprisingly smoother than we feared would happen. So I'm I'm pretty good. That is always very exciting. (laughs) It it is very exciting, yes. Smoother than planned is much, much better than the alternative. (laughs) Yeah, like by like 10.30 in that morning, when we hadn't got a lot of calls about it, I was like, I'm kind of scared that... Like, <laughs> Did we forget to go live? <laughs> exactly. Like, hmm, I don't know. No, it was just, we, we actually did real well, so I'm happy. Yeah. Excellent. Before we jump into comics, in lieu of more cold open, Brian asked me a question while we were making <sighs> notes. I did. And I felt like this would be a good thing to talk about in the show. Yeah, I asked Alex, I said, are you caught up and through all of the messiness and horrendous confusion caused by the the interruption and shipping and and the months off and the delays and the rescheduling and all that? And I was already kind of thinking about this because if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I think so. But I don't (laughs) think I'm as through it as I am because I keep, this is a product of two things. This is a product of the fact that we have had the the hiatus in shipping. This is also a product of the fact that I am doing uh, curbside pickup. For my books, right. rather than going into a shop and seeing things on the shelves. Yep. Um, my comic shop is taking pull lists by email week by week, which is compounded a little further by there having to be two sets of pulls, one on Monday evening and one on Tuesday evening, because they're asking for the DC pulls separately from all the other pulls and trying to get them done before the other comics arrive and they check them in. Yeah. So I keep missing books and then I'll catch like, as I'm going through my bag, I'll have seen covers for something and just, it didn't make it to the list that went to them or I forgot to, to, or I missed it entirely. Mm -hmm. So I'll call or email and say, Hey, can you hold this for me? And then I'll have done the same thing the following. I did it last week and this past week or week before last in this past week with x-men 10 and then empire x-men i'm like okay don't forget this x-men book and i count the x-men book i'm like okay i've got the right number of books here well i forgot empire x-men um Mm -hmm. so i'm just perpetually like losing out on little things here and there just because and maybe it's not so much the catch-up as much as the rest of it but i feel like i i started from zero and had to learn how to plan this over again 
right? Well, uh, yeah, and I can tell you it was even worse for me. <laughs> I can one-up you there, because as you know, what like, uh, I'm, there's a, yeah, so there's some other things going on with me that it became necessary for me to uh, switch to uh, basically a mail-order service yeah. for books. Um, which I had started literally like weeks before the whole delayed shipping and this whole thing blew up, right? Yeah. So in addition to the fact that, you know, there was this whole delay and we didn't know when things were coming out and all of that wonderful stuff, I had also switched to mail order, which, if you don't know, means that you basically are ordering from solicitation. Yeah. So, like, when we do solicitations, like, within a week or so after that is when I'm putting my order in for those books, right? So, three months ahead of time. <laughs> so, I had this period of, like, six weeks where, or two months, where it was the couple of weeks right before everything stopped, and then... You know, when they started shipping to comic shops again for about a month before my first order from mail order came in. Yeah. So it was a nightmare trying to put all of that back together. In addition, as if all of that wasn't bad enough, there were books, you know, that were canceled, right? Mm -hmm. There or were went books digital that, only. Or there were books that went digital only and we're not going to ship these copies. And there were books that. Um, yeah, we're canceling these and they're going to get resolicited and put out again later. Or it, the one, the ones, the recent ones that are my absolute favorite are the ones that I had put in orders for. And then they said, nope, these are going to be digital only. So they canceled them. And now they have come back and said, yeah, no, we're, you know, we're going to print these anyway. Thanks, Marvel. That's a Marvel call That's... right there. Wow, Those... that is. I will say, I, 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 my, my mail was super, super good. They were like, "We know you ordered these originally, so unless we hear otherwise, we're going to send them to you and just add that to your bill." Oh, that's smart. Yeah. If you don't want us to do that, get in touch with us within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Thank you so much." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Then, uh, you know, the <sighs> other, the other piece here that adds. A little more planning on the front end, for me at least. Yeah. Uh, I do not normally... I like variant covers, but I'm not precious about them. So I... For the last several years that I've been reading comics, I'll walk right. into the comic shop and I will look on the shelf and see what's there and get the cover, or maybe sometimes a couple of covers, yep. that I like best. And now I'm also having to like find cover art for every variant <laughs> and try doing that three months ahead of time <laughs> i mean three months ahead of time it's straight up impossible i know that much uh, um, for some of them it is yeah. for some of them it is yeah um and that's the good news yeah the good news is i have gotten really good at being consistent on knowing which books i want the alternate cover for yeah right and then recognize, I mean, we've been doing this for what three years now, right? Yeah, uh, and, and a knowing, half. yeah, yeah, like more than right. And like, I've gotten pretty decent at recognizing the artists that okay, yeah, I want that one, yeah, 
right? Yeah, you know, that... Stepan Shake does a cover. Yeah, I'm getting that one. You know, if Art Germ does a cover, I'm going to pick up that one. <laughs> that's right. that's definitely true. Um, yeah, yeah. The 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 place where it becomes a headache, and this was this week. This yeah. is the first week since DC has had separate distribution that my comic shop has been shorted by DC's distributor. Oh. Um, now, fortunately, it did typically mean kind of what it normally meant, meant with Diamond. Right. They got one of two or three covers. Right. So, on the one hand, I'm like having to track covers now, but at the same time, it's like, we're whatever you got. <laughs> Whatever's yep. actually on the shelf that week. Yep. Um, they got... So, yeah. Yeah. They got totally shorted uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. I am shocked that I was able to Ugh. not only order that on Tuesday, but have it here yesterday to read in time for this. That's, yeah. So that that is the, it, it's a mixed blessing, right? The the mail order thing is, I can guarantee that I can just about always get the one that I want, mm-hmm. but but I have to figure out and know that that's the one that I want. So, yeah. yeah. Like I've had to completely rewrite my program that automatically imports things, and now I'm actually having to have, I have a whole nother table in my database that's just for orders. Right. And like like a whole process of like three things that I have to do where it makes a temporary table and puts up things for me to match so I can match what I have on order with what's actually on release date for a given week. Yeah. So I can match those up and then then pull up a list of, you know, oh, well, this actually came out this week and oh, it looks like I didn't actually order that. So I've got to go figure out where to get that from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ugh, it's messy. Yeah, and a lot of, like, there have been a lot of especially third-party books that yeah. my comic shop straight up hasn't gotten from Image. Like, they came out, or from, from, from Diamond. They Diamond, came out. Yeah. Right. And some of them were right before the hiatus, some were right after. Some have shown up eventually, others sure. haven't. Yep. So, I've, if I'm being honest, I've done a lot of, like, gonna order these two issues online and just make sure i don't miss them because i i have already put in two orders from midtown comics online yeah and to try to play catch up with the ones that i missed and there's gonna be like 10 or 12 books i I think i've got everything else pretty well lined up there's like 12 books that i'm gonna have to go somehow find somewhere yeah um the other place i've had luck with too and this was Normally, Midtown is where I go to if if just sure. my shop doesn't get something. Yep. Um, but they were already sold out of Legends of the Dark Knight this week. I wound up going to Forbidden Planet, New York. Oh, okay. Online. Yep. They're the yep. other, the other big one up there that. Yeah, I've, I've actually been physically in both of those shops. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've been in Forbidden Planet. I've been in Midtown. Yeah. Well, that is about twice as oh. much time as I actually thought we'd spend on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all right though. But the point is, yeah, it it's it's getting better. I think DC, I'm pretty much everything's pretty much caught up and yeah, flowing smoothly. Marvel still has some of their stuff that they're catching up on. Yeah, and we'll we'll probably touch a little bit on that again when we get to Empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. but for now, let's actually talk about comics. Yeah, let's move to that. Uh, Dark Knights, Death Metal, Legends of the Dark Knights. Uh, This is a one-shot that came out this week uh, that is a lot about the the Batman who laughs taking the Batman hat and body and becoming the Darkest Knight. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that really serves as, if you are jumping into this without having read everything that has led up to Death Metal, this serves, I think, as a really good on-ramp into understanding what's going on. Yep. The, addition- other, the other stories in here tell us about the Robin King, mm-hmm. B-Rex, yep. the... I'm going to call it the Bat Buggy. <laughs> the Batmo Beast. I like Bat Buggy better. It makes me think Spider sure. Buggy. Um... <laughs> The Batmo Beast, who we saw in Dark Knight's Death Metal number two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Castle Bat. Castle Bat, yep. yep. And there was one more, I think, wasn't there? Baby Batman. That's right. The The strangest... <laughs> strangest... That one was so weird. I mean, it's from Garth Ennis, so you would expect it to be strange anyway. That's but... fair. That's... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and by far the Darkest Knight and Robin King are the two that actually kind of have a little bit of meat in the story, right? Yeah. The the other some of these are just, some of these are just a single page, even. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the it is a good. I like the backstory you get in this. Yes. Yeah. And it does a good job of I think contextualizing what this Batman would do with Doctor Manhattan's powers. Without Mm -hmm. just making him Dr. Manhattan again. Right. Yep, I agree. Um, the other one is, damn, that Robin King. Holy crap. Who could have seen? Who could have seen the identity of the Robin King coming? Shut up, I know you did. But my point (laughs) is, good God, that Bruce Wayne started out more psychotic than Joker. Yeah, that's... That is very true. I did... Did you notice what the movie they were coming out of was, though? I did. I did. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do Return remember. of the Grey oh, Ghost. Re- Return of the Grey Ghost, yes. Yep. Oh, Beware of the Grey Ghost. Beware of the Grey Ghost. Yes. I, yep. uh, I will tell you the thing I've always wanted someone to do with... I say always. Post-Flashpoint uh, have wanted someone to do with the JLA. Mm-hmm. In all of the rebirth and continuity fixing. Right. I really, really hope that at some point... Oh, yeah, the Grey Ghost was here this whole time. <laughs> Happens. He was part of just part of continuity, yeah. right? I want yeah. the Grey Ghost to canonically have existed as part That's of the awesome. JSA. That's great. Yeah, then we get a, a two-page Batmanosaurus Rex by Marguerite Bennett, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, and then we get, uh, I think it's Frank Thierry writes the next one, which is, uh, uh, basically where Batman becomes Gotham City. Yes. Like, there's a ritual that he does where he sacrifices somebody he loves to literally become the city. Like, the bricks and the streets and the, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I need to see this Batman versus Danny the Street, please. <laughs> That would be amazing. And then we get what is, yeah, definitely by far the weirdest one, which is also just a two-page story, which is Baby Batman, where um, Batman is essentially dying, and so he takes his body, his brain, you know, his his self, whatever, and puts it into a body that he has prepared. What he didn't realize is is that the body didn't actually mature, the clone didn't mature, so it's actually still a baby when it releases him so he like can't do anything and falls down the stairs and then unleashes the only power that he has the only power that he can use 
He cries. He cries, yeah. My favorite is the part where Batman doesn't have a strong enough neck to hold up his head. <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. And yeah, that's this, That's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the, yeah, just like the comic itself, this is a fun, stupid little anthology thing. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Moving on, Deceased yeah. Dead Planet number two. Cool. Okay. So we'll talk about Injustice a little bit. You know, Tom Taylor's other kind of AU right yeah stories um and i don't know what it is but there's something about this deceased universe that just really clicks with me and i really really love it um and this one brings the last two series so deceased and deceased unkillables Mm -hmm. uh it brings them together and starts moving the story forward from there yes um and holy crap was it good uh we get uh, the Shadow Pact, which is a the, the, basically a team that put themselves together, and it's essentially kind of Justice League Darkish. Yeah, it's Constantine Zatanna, Detective yep. Chimp, Blue Devil, uh, Red Hood. Yeah, uh, no, Red Hood wasn't Shadow Pact, was he? Uh, oh, that's he right, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red yeah. Hood and Orphan, uh, Ra- and Ravager. Oh, Ravager. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and Ravager. Oh, and Ragman. And Ragman. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they come in and kind of stop a thing, and then <laughs> Swamp Thing shows up, and it turns out, if you get stuck in a zombie apocalypse, Swamp Thing is who you want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Because he just takes out a whole mob of the undead by himself. Beautiful. He is what the uh, finale of the movie version of Little Shop of Horrors would call a mean green mother. He, indeed he is. Uh, we check in real super briefly on Harley and Poison Ivy and the garden that she has, the garden sanctuary she has set up in Gotham. And we find out what, another reason why it's staying safe. And then uh, Cassie shows up with Superboy, who at the end of uh unkillables was it no the end of last issue yes of this yes. right uh she's she, he got stabbed with wonder woman's sword and it's bad news so she brings him to the garden in gotham and they meet mary marvel there and yeah and then there you go and then we get a little romance started up we do yeah i was not expecting this one no not at all not even a little this is not the pairing I would have thought of. I don't hate it. No, I'm here for it, but but it did it is not, not what I would have thought. Um, yeah, and yeah, Damien is like, I'm I'm sorry this happened. I'm sorry, and I'm here for you. Whatever you need. And then he and Cassie kiss. Yeah, we're, we're going to be clear. It's Cassie Sandsmark, not Cassie Sandra Sands. King. Yeah, correct. The new Wonder Woman, right? Yes. Well. She was she was still Wonder Girl in this. I assume she will shortly become Wonder Woman. Yeah. 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 And then you, you remember how we just talked about Shadow Pact? You know, I was very excited for Shadow Pact. I was looking forward to see more seeing more of them. I figured, hey, well, you can see more could... of the one or two that are left. <laughs> were any left? Yeah. I mean, there were well... the two who stayed back in uh, Ivy's sanctuary. Yeah, and I'm not sure that Constantine's gone. He does but have a way of de- sticking around. But the rest of them, yeah, 
definitely are. Because uh, let me tell you who you don't want turned into a zombie, apparently. I will never, ever, ever again underestimate. Plastic Man. Holy shit. I thought thought Swamp Thing kicked ass earlier in this book. Plastic Man dump messed people up. (laughs) Yep. Like, literally one page took out that whole team. Oh, my God. It's not a mode of blood. It's a plastic man. Ah, In every way. Oh, God, I love this book. Okay, we're going (laughs) to move on, but... Oh, so good. Read this. If you are not reading it now, read it and trade, for God's sake. Well, while we are in Tom Taylor Town, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Injustice, Year Zero, number one through three. These are digital first. Yep. Um, a prequel to Injustice, if that is not clear from the title. Uh, and most importantly, they bring in some JSA members. They do. So this basically all three of these kind of, there's really only two kind of stories starting out in this. And that is the Justice League gets together for a celebration and to honor the Justice Society who came before them. Um, and like they have like a dinner and they, the Justice Society gets a big picture and that whole thing. And, you know, basically it's just a, a small celebration and we have that going on. And then in the meantime, uh, Joker breaks into Arkham to break out this person who is going to die. Yes. Yeah. And it turns out that he knows a secret about a uh, mystical power that Hawkgirl and Hawkman unearthed in Egypt before World War II. And essentially it is, you know, the, the Nazis got a hold of it for a while and then it looks like it's been passed around. But essentially it's a, um, it's the Egyptian god of chaos who possesses people that hold her amulet. It's very, uh, oh, it reminds me a lot of the Justice League Unlimited, or maybe it was a regular, maybe it was before it became Unlimited, but the Justice League episodes with Eclipso. Yeah, yeah. It's a very Eclipso vibe. The other thing it reminds me of is there was a lot in the 80s with, like, All-Star Squadron and some of that stuff, Mm. where uh, specifically a lot of the Justice Society stuff, where they would talk about, like, occult-type things that... Hitler and the Nazis were either seeking or had or, yeah. Because there was a lot of, Hitler believed in the occult, and there was a lot of rumors about, you know, crazy things and urban legends about things that happened. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, clearly, comics plays off of that. But it reminded me a bit of that kind of thing, right? Um, But essentially, it looks like we're going to get the story of how Joker got the power to do what he did to instigate what happens in injustice yeah the highlight of this is the interaction between batman and (laughs) wildcat um the ease with which wildcat can get under batman's skin is a work of art It, it, it truly is and i have to think that it comes from a place of insecurity in bruce right Mm -hmm. that Wildcat was like the first superhero that didn't have any powers, and it was just his determination and ability, you know, like physical yeah. fighting. And not just no powers, no billions of dollars of wealth and toys. Oh, yeah, no. Right. He had and neither powers 
ignore a bank account. He and had I think, his fists. And I think Flash's reaction to it may have been my favorite part. <laughs> hey, Ginger, get the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like they agree to a fight and Batman does like a nerve punch to him and like thinks he's incapacitated him. And Wildcat just literally just backhands him. Mm-hmm. And Barry Allen sees it and runs. It's like, Jay, Jay, you got to come now. Get some popcorn. You're not going to believe what's happening to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. And then afterwards, Batman walks by them and says, I smelled the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. Okay. So good. Yeah, th- these are these are fun digital firsts. I like the I like the intro we're getting here. Yeah. Uh and usually like in the past when they've done print editions of this eventually, mm-hmm. the first three issues become you know, three issues of digital become an issue of print. So Yes. Yeah. At some point in the future, like this will probably be number one. Yeah. The other they either do that or there's sometimes they don't print them as floppies and they just come out as straight. I've seen both ways. Yeah, I think I don't know, DC is doing more digital straight to trade than they used to. Yeah. I'd be a little surprised if Injustice didn't get floppies because it has generally uh, would, yeah. in the past and also it's a yeah. very popular franchise. Yep, nope, I don't disagree with you. Um the real question is does this mean that we're coming up on an Injustice 3 announcement for PS5 and whatever the new model of Xbox is called? I have I lost the remember. naming conventions yeah. on those. I have too. Um, I would be a little yeah. surprised if this weren't leading up to that. That would not surprise me, because you know there's going to be one. Yeah. yeah. And it'll oh, be yeah. fantastic. The Dreaming, <laughs> Waking Hours number one. Um, this is really really fucking good is it i i will probably end up trying to pick this up yeah, yeah. this is a 12 issue series uh written by g willow wilson drawn by nick robles and i'm gonna mention matt lopez as colorist here too uh, i assume it's lopez and not lopes it could be lopes l-o-p-e-s um because the colors do a lot of work in this book and they do it very subtly and they do it very effectively um letters are simon boland okay this is about a woman named lindy you don't need to have read any other you like the the sandman universe the dreaming series that's been going on you don't need to be caught up on it for this to make sense um this is about a woman named lindy who has a an infant child and is working on her doctorate in english literature okay and is writing about shakespeare and trying to write about Shakespearean authorship theories, although her advisor is so incredibly against that because she does not see that as a critical interpretive feat. She sees that as a rumor-mongering kind of thing. Gotcha. Lindy keeps having this dream about this weird house, whose architecture is very reminiscent of the globe, uh, that she wanders through every night in her dreams, and it always gets bigger, and she can never, like, reach the end of the staircase or whatever. And after she has a meeting with her advisor, she goes home, she takes a nap with the baby, and runs into this figure uh, inside the house. And she's never seen anyone else in there before. And 
he tries to get her to wake up. Uh, but it turns out because she is lucid dreaming, that is a little harder than planned. And he happens to actually be a nightmare. A literal nightmare from the dreaming. Who isn't supposed to be in her dreams. Mm. But is. And when she wakes up, because she was lucid dreaming... He ends up in the real world and she ends up trapped somewhere, presumably in the dreaming, with Shakespeare and his wife and everyone else who's ever been theorized to write a Shakespearean play. <laughs> uh, and we come to learn that this nightmare has a reputation as a colossal fuck up in the dreaming. <laughs> Can never do anything right. He goes to the one person he knows in the real world who is an angel and asks him to take care of the baby. Cause apparently he was the angel who brought Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and then the librarian of the dreaming realizes, uh, someone let something out of the, uh, box of nightmares. Um, oh boy. It is a lot of fun. I think it's going to be like an easy thing to come to. Even the, even the, the Sandman, Daniel presence is is pretty light. You don't need, I think, a whole lot of history for that to make sense. It certainly feels like it belongs in the Sandman world. And the coloring and the way that Matt Lopes swaps between these very blue, purple, pink hues in the dreaming and very warm colors. And then these really cold, cool blues and browns and greens and tans in the waking world mm -hmm. it's it's really really well done um they feel like different worlds but in the art there's enough sort of consistency that they still feel like they're both they both belong to lindy um yeah it's it's definitely worth checking out and I've said almost nothing about G. Willow Wilson's writing, but, like, G. Willow Wilson is very, very good, and it's a really great read, too. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, there you go. There's the hard sell. Brian, why don't you catch me up on the terrifics? Oh, my word. So, yeah, I read, like, uh, I think, like, the last four issues of these getting caught up. Um, and essentially, um, what is going on is... Uh, the team has figured out that Stag was dying. Simon Stag was dying, and made a deal with what is essentially a demon to keep him alive. But that went, of course, horribly wrong. So the Terrifics had to fight that off. And in the meantime, we find out that Mister Terrific has formed the Tea Council. <laughs> Which just the name alone cracked me up. Do they? Do they also enjoy crumpets? <laughs> right. Um, so it is. It, it is a bunch of really smart people. Uh, it is Ted Cord and Adam Cho. Not Adam Cho. Uh, uh, Ryan Choi. <sighs> Ryan Choi. Thank you. Yes, Ryan Choi. Uh, I, I was the Adam is where, I, and, I, and then I got stuck on it. Couldn't get off of yeah. it. Um, yeah, it must Adam. have been positive. Um, it must have been missing an electron. <laughs> that would imply you're negative. I don't know. Maybe it had an extra electron and you're positive, and that's why you were attracted. Maybe. Polarity so. jokes. Magnetism. Ain't nobody know how that works. <laughs> okay, so anyway. That's a different uh, thing, thank you. <laughs> that is a different thing. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, and of course, the one that you have to is Silas Stone, Vic Stone's father, who is, of course, like he. We were actually watching. Uh, I was watching Doom Patrol with my kids last yes. night. Yes. So good. And Vic's dad, and I was like, oh, now this is the one thing that is consistent in not only this show and the comics, but in literally every place I have ever seen him, and that is that his dad is a complete asshole. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one thing about him on the Doom Patrol. I think that is the most human version of him I have seen. I, would, I will not disagree with It's the with only you. version of him I've ever like, been able to like, relate to and see reason for his actions in. Right, like, like you don't like him and you don't like what he's doing, but you understand, you truly understand why he's making those choices. Yeah, yeah. right. I agree with you there. Anyway, this is an aside. That uh, show's good, and everyone should be yeah. watching it. So essentially, it's all of these really, really smart people, and the uh, Tom Terrific, right? Tom um, Morrow? No, Tom Terrific. T- Tom Terrific. Yeah. T.O. Morrow is a different guy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that is a different guy. Uh, that's the guy that made Amazo. Tom Strong. Tom Strong, you're right. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Tomorrow is something different. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy wow. Two-Tone. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're really going there now. Um, yeah, Tom Strong. I'm sorry. Yes, the Strong family. So basically, all of these super smart people. And turns out that he has put them together because uh, he wants them to come teach at this new uh, like community association that he has put together in Gateway City. And, like, just, like, teach for the sake of people being able to learn and advance themselves. That's and, cool. Yeah. And, like, really, so what we find out is Stag Industries and Terrificek, right, Mr. Terrific's company, have essentially, they are essentially trying to build a new utopian city in Gateway City, out of Gateway City. Like, you know, it's all green and the technology that really helps people and like this community center where people can just learn for free and all this. Well, part of this whole thing, Simon ends up, he, Simon indeed does die, but we find out that he decides not to leave his company to his daughter, but instead is leaving it to his son, who he ostracized and shipped off to boarding school when he was super young. Oops. Of course, because Simon Stagg's a dick. Because Simon Stagg is a dick. And, yeah. And we've got one issue left for them to figure out how to overcome this team that Simon Stagg, that Sebastian Stagg has put together. Yeah. Well, I've got to catch up on this in trade. Yeah, well, there's only one more, so there you go. Yeah. Young Justice number 17, or, as I have come to think about it, Holy fuck, everything that's happened from the beginning of Naomi through this issue, including all the stuff in Superman and Action Comics that is relevant, happens in 48 goddamn hours? Yep, sure does. And as if that wasn't a story, like, somebody needs to collect all of that, like, all of all of her own stories, right? Yeah. Plus what has happened in Young Justice plus what happens in action con like all of that together in a trade for Naomi because it comes full circle yeah. again back here in Metropolis after the battle of Metropolis where the young young justice and the justice league fight off Lex Luthor right and his whole legion of doom people yeah um 
Yeah, I, this whole issue is Young Justice and Justice League cleaning up <laughs> after that, which was the whole impetus I remember from Naomi number one, the first Naomi story, where they were complaining about how Superman ended up fighting Mongol and destroying the town, and nobody stayed to clean it up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would just in general love for DC to do what Marvel has done with Hickman stuff and put out collections that just collect the work in the order it goes in the story. Right. Yep. Yeah. Because this one, the end of this one essentially feeds into like three issues ago, I think of action comics four issues ago. Something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. Where Superman and Connor Kent go to the fortress of solitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I also would love to see the timeline that then takes all of that and puts it in order, and places it in sequence with Scott Snyder's work on Justice League, and all yeah. of that because yeah. mm-hmm. some but, parts of this just cannot like there must be weeks between what's going on here and what's going on in some other books. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but essentially, so it is It is those two teams, Young Justice and the Justice League, cleaning up after the Battle of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And we get, kind of as our introduction to this, a father who owns a food truck and his daughter who drive to the scene in order to supply water and food for the first responders and the heroes while they're cleaning up. Yeah, Just because... They want to do their part, and that's what they can do, right? And then while they're there, we get the daughter essentially observing all of these interactions between Cassie Sandsmark and Wonder Woman and uh, Impulse and Flash and... Batman um, and Drake. Batman and Drake. Yeah, like all of the... And Impulse and Drake and Connor, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of these different interactions, and it is truly... Um, I like I this is probably my favorite story this week. Yeah. I loved this book. Now, at, at the beginning of the and, issue she's like why we we can't be here we don't have powers. And by yeah. the end of this issue she's got an internship at the Hall of Justice. Because literally after everyone leaves um Drake walks up and helps her move some things like into the back and back into the truck or something. Yeah. And she's like I, you know I, I don't know how we did this. You know, we don't have power, this, that, and that. And he's like, I don't have any powers. She's like, what? He's like, yeah. She's like, then how do you do this? He was like, that's what being a hero is, is doing what it is you can, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. But you know what else? You know how good this issue was, Alec? It has Brian's quote of the week. It does have Brian's quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week. Quote, quote. Yeah. Um. So they're cleaning up, um, and one of the things, Wonder Woman's talking to Cassie, and she says something about, uh, uh, yeah, you've got a good team here. It's really good. Lead them well, Cassie. And she's like, uh, no, I, I don't lead the team. I And Wonder Woman's like, it's a good path, one you were clearly born to. <laughs> and it just shows Cassie looking up at her, and then it shows Connor and Drake looking at each other, and then it shows Jenny, Hex. Yes. And Jenny goes... So, uh, what's Wonder Woman's deal? Is she seeing anyone? And Cassie, Cassandra goes, Jenny, that's my aunt. Yeah, what's her deal? Is she seeing anyone? <laughs> yeah, if if we somehow couldn't already love Jenny, 
Jenny Hex more. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Yep. Oh my god. I love it. <laughs> uh th- yeah, this is a just truly a fantastic feel good in a different kind of way issue. Yeah. Like it's Yeah. I think I've said before like the thing that has kept Teen Titans runs on a whole from yeah. working for me since I've been reading comics is missing that sort of chosen family dynamic and yep. that working as opposed to being a source of drama. Here, it's not used for drama. It fuels character growth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like like Naomi is saying, okay, yeah, my parents are, because like you said, it's within 48 hours. It's within two days. Yeah. She's like, my parent, me being part of this after just having got my, my parents are freaking out and losing their mind. I got to get home. And they're like, yeah, do it. And Jenny's like, I'll text you later. And she's like, okay. And by the way, tell your parents they're awesome. And Cassandra's like, yeah, they are awesome. Like letting you be here at all. Know how good your parents are. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's so good. So wonderful. I can't, yeah. Can't wait for the next one. Which by the way, the next one is called Spoilers. Yes. I'm excited for the next one as well. Yes. All right. Moving on to the next book this week, Coffinbound number five. I will probably be pretty quick here too. Uh, this is a sort of horror, I'd almost call it like a horror road trip series. That's sort of the common ground that each of these arcs has. Uh, from Dan Waters and the artist Danny. This begins a new arc that is a new story. So it, it's 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 becoming an anthology series in that each arc is its own separate story that you could read on its own. Mm-hmm. The horror elements definitely remain. Uh, in this arc, the main character is a worshiper devotee of God. And in this world, God is heroin or whatever. God is an opiate. God is a literal opiate that you worship by injecting into your veins. Who was it? Stalin who had the quote Uh, that religion is the opiate of the masses. Yes, it was either Stalin or Lenin. Or yeah, I can't remember. Hang on, it might have been. I don't think it was Marx. It it might have been Marx. It it was it was one of the yeah one of the large inspiration or leaders of the Soviet. Anyway, oh, let's just see. Just made me think of that. Yeah, they make Google. They do make Google, you're right. But, I mean, clearly, that had to be a source of inspiration for <laughs> this storyline, then. It is Karl Marx. Karl Marx, okay, yeah. Who was German. Yes. Um, but, obviously, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Marxism <laughs> became the basis it, for it. Yes, correct. Anyway, um, religion is a literal opiate. And is on the verge of being outlawed. The This issue opens with this main character, whose, whose name I forget. She is coming down from a high. And basically the way she and the priest, who is her dealer, uh, feel that you see God. If God has no voice, the only time you can hear God is when he is leaving in the space between being with him and coming back to the real world. Um, So like she is specifically writing coming, like she is specifically looking for that moment where she comes down and with the church, this is the weirdest fucking book to try to explain. I'm realizing this as I try to do it. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> with with the public trying to block the church, they've got weeks, maybe a couple yeah. months. The priest sends her to find the vulture, who is one of two recurring characters from the first arc. Uh, the first arc was a road trip between its main character and the vulture, who's like an omen of death. Once you see him, you're sort of predestined to die. Okay. Uh, running from the Earth Eater. In this arc, uh, its main character decides, well, the only way I'm going to see this vulture is if I go find the Earth Eater. So she gets a friend to call another friend and finds an address for the Earth Eater, who's like this sort of force of nature that takes contracts like a hitman. And he's currently... On a vacation, doesn't have any contracts coming up for a couple of weeks. He's not fucking killing anyone. He's just trying to eat a sandwich with this really great dirt that he bought from around the world. Thank you. Uh, so she decides to take matters into her own, her own hands. If the only way the vulture shows up is if you're going to die, she puts out a hit on herself. To lure in the vulture to prove that the divine exists... So that the church can stay open. Wow. Uh, hey, this is this is very very. Um, I, I I may have to pick this up because yeah. that sounds weird enough that I would love it. It is very weird. the The Earth Eater. There are narrations that happen mm-hmm. whenever the Earth Eater first shows up in an issue of the first arc in this one. Um, see if Brian, you can uh, ferret out the inspiration for this. Because this is specifically based on something in another book. Earth Eater, a name which causes blood to run cold and pants to be shat wherever it is whispered, the unstoppable killer whose every contract is signed in mud. Earth Eater, reuniter of man and dirt, the earth itself speaks to him and calls him to his prey. Earth Eater, doesn't have a job due to start until next week and is enjoying some well-earned downtime. Oh, God, I know that. I do know that pattern, but I cannot think of what it is. Next wave! There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, where they say it and give the... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it is such a weird, weird book. It is these high, like, high concepts... With this really, like, gorgeously colored, grungy, sketchy art. I love Danny's art in this. Uh, The colorist on this book, too, is Brad Simpson. But then these weird comedic beats all throughout it. It's such such this weird mishmash of things that shouldn't work, but it does. For just some of the some of the things, it almost sounded a a little almost like a horror version of like a Doom Patrol. A little, but I think. Yeah, but the the tone's not quite yeah. the same. Yeah, I, I I get that, but like, there's certainly like elements that make me think of that. Is all I'm saying. It is more yeah. existentialist than absurdist. Absurdist. Yeah, and I think yeah. that would be the difference between it and a Doom Patrol. There you go. Um, all right, all right. Moving on to something less bizarre. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Empire. We are once again gonna try to run in order and. <laughs> Uh, if you are, we'll just go ahead and rip this bandage off the top. If you are reading along on Empire and trying to follow the checklist in the back, you have probably already noticed that even with the revised version they've had in the last couple of weeks, it's still really out of order and out of sequence. 
Uh, Marvel, if you're going to have an event and you're going to put out a reading order checklist, put the books out in fucking order. <laughs> I mean, like, see, this here's I, I'm willing to cut Marvel slack in that I know they are massively retooling around being I shut do down too. and I know. canceling, and they're trying to get this mm. done in time for Ten of Swords to happen and all of that. But. As much as I love this being a weekly event, maybe it didn't need to be a weekly event. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least have the, at least have the checklist be in publication order, or put the dates next to the issues as they come out if you want it in reading order. Like, there's no, yeah, there's something. no good answer here. I don't want to, I don't want to bite at Marvel for this one, um, right? Because it, it is kind of lose lose. It is, but, and I I do acknowledge that. But like, ugh. just trying to figure out the notes for this week, I had to look up every book between Lords of Empire and uh, I had to look up release dates for like a dozen different books to figure out what was already out, what had forgotten to pick up at the comic shop. This is when I realized yeah. I'd forgotten a couple of things. I, like I would, I you know what I would be okay with? I would even be okay with them putting this out. And just put an asterisk or like bold or underline or something like, okay, these, you know, this week, these are, you know, in the next three weeks, these three things. Yeah. You need to read these in the right, in the checklist, yeah. you know, the reading order, the rest of the stuff, put it in wherever it comes out. Yeah. Right. Like I would be okay with that, but like not knowing if I should read something before, uh, if it's okay to read it before something else comes out. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, while we're here, this was also one of those weeks where Marvel spoiled the end of an issue in a press release before the issue came out. <laughs> Great. Um, somehow that was headline news. Marvel spoils plot twist. That's called what, every what, event. What story, yeah. It was Empire number four. Was it Empire? Okay, they spoiled yeah. the end of Empire number four in okay. a press release. That that doesn't surprise me no, at all. No, I mean that's anyway. We're we're being uncharacteristically negative and need to move on. Lords of Empire, Celestial Messiah, one shot. I think this is a quick one, an easy one to get through. Um, I agree. It is Koi's sort of final test before everything that we've seen so far in Empire mm -hmm. to sort of prove that he is capable of leading the Kotati. And it is essentially a fight with a plant golem of Mantis, his mother, who Mantis has projected her consciousness into to try to reach out to him and stop him from doing yep. this thing. Uh, and that works as a framing device for giving us Mantis's history. The history. Yeah. Yeah. The hi well, not Mantis and, Mantis and, and Koi's. Yeah. Yeah. Their history. Yep. Yes. Um, like, this is a good example of. This one definitely would have ideally been before Empire number three, and I think Agreed. that's in the checklist. Yeah. But like I don't think having read them in the order they're coming out, I don't think it hurt too much to have right. it here. Yep. Um it's it's I think a good read, a useful read if you don't know much about the whole Celestial Madonna story, and I don't. It, I didn't either, and yeah, it was a very well received from me. A a thank you for like a, a a okay good thank you for the knowledge. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna help. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the uh, sins rising prelude. Exactly. Yep. I, I would I would classify it the same way. Yeah. Yes. 
Empire X-Men number two. I, you know what? I would read an entire series of magic and horticulture just sniping at each other. There's a reason that I have loved magic my entire life. <laughs> Fair. Well, you know, valid. since she came out as a new mutant, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Her entire life. There you go. Yes. Uh, this is kind of what you'd expect based on the first issue of this miniseries. Things are escalating on Genosha in the war between the plants, zombies, old people, and X-Men. Uh, the X-Men and Horticulture kind of call in alliance, an uneasy alliance, to fight the plants and put down the zombies. Uh, and I think the thing that's really useful that we learn here is the the landing ships that the Katadi are, are coming down to Earth on take root and grow and embed themselves in the soil and also can be giant bombs which would make sense yeah i mean yeah yeah fantastic four number 22 uh this is picking up where 21 left off in the fight between franklin valeria wolverine and spider-man against the acolytes of the kutati who have come to kidnap the Cree kid who they saved back in number 20. Yep. Uh, apparently part of his encyclopedic knowledge of the history of the Cree empire is how to build a very specific cosmic device. And they're having this knowledge would be a bad thing. Unfortunately, nobody wants to listen to Spider-Man who is warning them, Hey, uh, there's still something going on. The danger is not over. It was not the kid who you just shanked Wolverine. It's something else. Uh, so they get ambushed and the kid gets taken. And uh, we see the other two members of the new Fantastic Four, uh, Hulk and Ghost Rider, and how they might fit into this. All right. If you like me, we're wondering, no, no, how the fuck is Hulk going to be involved in this right now? <clears throat> There's a good answer. Okay. Empire number four. Well, speaking of hulks in Empire, <laughs> related stories. Yeah. Speaking of, and speaking of, yep, this was bound shots, to happen Alex. eventually. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't even feel yeah, good yeah. calling this one a call shot. This was clearly telegraphed. Yeah, you're right. This one was 100% telegraphed. Um, especially this is if Chekhov's you. Chekhov's Hulk. Especially if you looked forward in the checklist and saw, wait. Empire since Empire Immortal She-Hulk number one. What is that? <laughs> That's also yeah. a good hint. Yeah, <laughs> that was also a good hint. Um, so yeah, turns out the Kotati, just like we expected, did something to Jin when they took her off, killed her, and replaced her with her. a plant person wearing her skin. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So she's dead. Yeah, but you know that doesn't stop I, Hulks. That does well. Clearly, if we're getting something called Immortal She Hulk, we're gonna find out that I guess yeah, same kind of thing that's going on with Hulk. Well, and if you want to um, go way, way back, there was an issue where Doctor Strange, I think, warned Jen about like all these events are about to happen, and it's gonna be a bad time for you, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so essentially, we we, we get. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Storm, and Captain Marvel, Carol, uh, 
basically starting to question Teddy and the decisions that he's making. And so he, they essentially banish them to, um, they teleport them off of the Kree scroll warship uh, to Teddy's apartment. <laughs> I loved teleport was the only spell I had prepared as a plot point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, these play, these play by D&D rules. Yeah, All right, real. I see how this works. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have murder prepared last night. I just had teleport. Right, yeah. So it was uh, Mergen who teleported them. And so we find out where she teleported them was uh, to Teddy's apartment, right? Yep. And, uh, gee, who's there? Wiccan. Billy. Wiccan. Billy, yep. And, uh... So Billy has what is, again, an absolutely wonderful conversation with them. Yes. What is a very adult, yes, in that they, so basically he, Carol shows him what, what it is they saw Teddy, the decisions and all that, and he's like, oh yeah, that's not him. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you obviously had the same problem because you questioned him and, and thought something might be going on, but I'm telling you, I know him better than anybody, and that ain't him. Yep. And then we get a big spoiler that we're not going to spoil. Yes. Yes, which is absolutely fantastic. Yes. And I was so happy I was so happy to see who was there. Me too. Yeah. All right. Brian, what is the Empire Handbook? Uh it is uh you know, Marvel has done the official Marvel hand- universe handbook for a long long time, right? And periodically when they do either events or uh, crossover storylines sometimes, they will have like a whatever-whatever handbook that updates the entries or in some cases adds whole new entries for the characters and races and planets and whatever has to be involved in that storyline. So this is the wiki, but in print. It, that's exactly cool. what it is. Yeah, yeah, and it, it like it the the first probably six. By the way, usually these are mostly text. Yeah, like like a lot of text. Yeah, right with just pictures inset. Think like uh, think like a newspaper, <laughs> honestly, uh, as far as kind of layout. Um, and like so, like the first like eight or ten pages is basically getting you caught up with the Avengers going back from, like, Avenger X and the Scarlet Witch stuff, where she inverted the Avengers. Okay. And it goes from there literally all the way up to the start of Empire. Cool. So, like, it catches... And then there's, like, the Blu-ray of the moon, and who... Like, there's an update on Captain Marvel and what all she's been through recently, who the Kotati are. So, essentially, like I said, just kind of updates to those entries... From kind of the and it tells you where it's update or like where the ones that aren't completely new. It's like oh, this is updated information from when it last appeared in handbook whatever whatever for this event. So that's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Deadpool number six. Uh, remember when I was like, hey, Deadpool, some issue coming up eventually soon is gonna go to Krakoa. <laughs> Maybe in October? Oh I was right the first this, time when I said the next issue. It was this issue. This was the best Deadpool issue I have read in years. 
There's not because other ones have been bad, but because this one is just so damn good. I mean, two words, Brian. Fastball special. <laughs> and I absolutely adore that people that that like instantly people either hate Jeff the Landshark or they love Jeff the Landshark. <laughs> Is that an expensive bag with legs? <laughs> It's darling, and I must have it. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. <laughs> and, and you're most Cruella DeVille, yes. Yeah. But then what's amazing is Jeff, like, goes and sits in her lap and just lets her pet him. <laughs> He's a sucker for pets. I'll take pets from anyone. <laughs> so this is, um, Wade is, Wade is very hurt. That he has not been invited to Krakoa. Not because he's a mutant, but because everyone thinks he is because of his movies. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh-huh. 100%. So, he finds out, because, I don't know if you remember, but he and Jeff the Landshark have been playing what is essentially Magic the Gathering. Yeah. With... Cards that were built that have all the abilities of all the monsters on Monster Island, on the the new Monster Island. Yeah, they're like a riff on the same Deadpool supervillain cards that you saw in Unbeatable yes. Squirrel Girl. Exactly. Um, and he looks at Jelby, he looks at the card for Jelby to try to figure out what his powers are, and discovers that Jelby is a mutant and can swallow any amount of anything. So he's like, well, but he's a mutant. Well, shit, this is easy. I'll just get him to swallow me, then he can go through a, a gate to Krakoa, and I'll be there. It has everything, Jeff the Land Shark and Vor. <laughs> so Jeff the Land Shark bites his butt as he's going as he's being swallowed, so that he goes as well. <laughs> and then he does then <laughs> then Wade does the Kawaii Princess uh pose yep. inside of Jelby with Jeff the Land Shark biting his butt. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, Deadpool has also heard that the mutants have the cure for cancer, which he would very much like to have. Uh, yeah, and he's super put out that they didn't invite him to have the cure for cancer, because, hey, I got the cancer! <laughs> the only one who would even return his call was Rogue. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he so, is bummed to learn that there is no cure for cancer. So they go through the gate, sets off alarms, imagine that, and uh, a team shows up to stop him it's a uh, beast and wolverine and polaris and storm and armor and magic and <laughs> magic beats the shit out of him <laughs> but falls in love with jeff yes <laughs> because of course she does <laughs> yes uh then way goes to see emma and emma's like no we don't have a cure for cancer no you can't have unlimited pass rights to krakoa but you can get approval and visit when you want because you are our friend. Um, and no, we're not going to give you a seed to grow a gate of your own on Monster Island for Krakoa. There's one literally like less than two miles from you in Manhattan. Two. Two. Two of them. There right. I'm sorry. Two right. gates. There Don't two be greedy. Man- yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, and then <laughs> Wade and Jeff do a fastball special. 
where, where he throws Jeff at Lorna. It's beautiful. Ah, so wonderful. And then how do how do how does the fight stop? Rogue shows up. Rogue shows up. And Wade instantly just stops fighting because we know he loves Rogue. Yeah. Ah. Who doesn't? Especially when Kelly Thompson's writing. Yeah. So he goes back and um he comes up with the first rule for Monster the new Monster Island. Don't talk what about new Monster rule? Island. Right, no crying in New Monster Island? Uh, no, 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 don't talk about New Monster Island. Don't talk about New Monster Island. And then, so, the first new rule, I guess, for New I, Monster I was, Island. I was just making new jokes. Staten. No more Which mutants. N- it's no, no more, more mutants. mutants. He does, however, yeah. like, the, they only have three rules on Krakoa, and one of them's about getting down. <laughs> yes! He said, I can respect that. <laughs> and then we get uh, what is going to be the next story in this, because, holy crap, and by the way, the way he responds to her is beautiful. Um, Elsa Bloodstone comes up and says, hey, this is when he holds up the no more meeting sign. Nice sign. <laughs> Did you have some bloody primary schoolers make that for you? Because it looks so bad. <laughs> He's like, listen, sometimes you're nice to me and sometimes you're mean. While you're always hot, which almost makes even the mean times worth it. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The best Deadpool stories are the ones where they get kind of sad. I- well, we're about to get we're it. We're about to get it. Because we just found something out. Elsa's dying. Elsa's dying. Like the cover right. for the next issue. Deadpool shot through the heart, and it looks like she's to blame. <sighs> he definitely gives love a bad name. <laughs> yep. <sighs> well, moving on. Uh, <sighs> another friend of Krakoa. Giant Size X-Men Phantom X number one. Um... More than any other one, I think I can pick this one up and say it's a sequel to something. Yeah. And that is the 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 Jean Grey Emma Frost. Yes. This this one does shot. I mean this does double duty here, right? There's a lot of it does. history Absolutely. of Phantom X, history of the world, and setting up what I'm sure will come back. This well, setting up two things. One, the world is this sort of self contained lab. That mm-hmm. does experiments, is science-focused, eventually gets taken over by AIM, all that. It's where Phantom X is from. None of that's really new information. Um, and certainly the history of Phantom X is rife with multiple personalities that sometimes are all in him and sometimes are external. But this sets up a an actual biological twin of Phantom X that's been created... And because time passes differently in the world, which is going back to themes from early Dawn of X stuff, time mm-hmm. is passing differently. His conception of time is very different. Um, and I think this is sort of setting him up to be someone who comes back and becomes important, this clone. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. so as well, yes. The other thing, the yep. thing you're talking about too is the other thing this does, which the last trip in, Basically, he takes a trip in about every 10 years in regular Earth time. The last trip in is to help the X-Men find a cure for the virus Storm Storm has uh, that we found out about in the Jean Grey Emma Frost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, another really good, well-told story one-shot that, yeah. That informs, but is not critical to any other actual ongoing story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got one more of these remaining. That sounds right. Yeah. 
Because I think I don't were... Oh, is it Storm? That's right, Storm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's one for Storm now. Yeah. I keep thinking that the other one was Storm, but the other one was Jean Grey Emma Frost. Emma Frost. Yeah. 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 All right. Last one. And I'll be mm-hmm. quick here. Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. Uh, I'm going to talk about both the free comic book day issue, which was out in print a couple of weeks ago, was out digitally this week. The uh, X Men free comic book day issue was also available digitally this week. Uh, and then number one, which came out in print and digitally, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn number one. This is mostly focused on Talana, who was a supporting character in the hmm. video game. Uh, she was the first female member of the Hunting Lodge uh, that that plays a sort of central role in the latter half, maybe, of the game, mm-hmm. uh, who, over the course of events, and some spoilers for the game, this is set after it, becomes the leader of the Lodge. And post-game, Aloy, who is the main character, has gone on the road. She needed to get away from where everything's been going down. If you've played the game, you've got some hint at what those reasons are. What those reasons are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Talana also realizes, while she values leading the Lodge and wants to do work there, she can't just stay in running the place all the time so she goes in the field she takes a contract on this new kind of machine that has shown up uh and we see that kind of gets you through the free comic book day uh which is you know a little shorter because it's a free comic book day uh this this first issue picks up with her on the hunt we meet some new supporting characters uh we see uh a design for a new machine that was not in the game, so some content maybe that will be part of Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a riff on one of the scrappers, I think it was, or no, uh, one of the one of the early robots. We see sort of a riff on it that's that's a little deadlier. The Watcher, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. The little the little guy. Yeah, with the big eye, the sort of velociraptor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the little so it's like a probably a bigger like velociraptor. Uh, it's armed and has razor blades and things like that. It's a yeah. more vicious. It can climb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. This is, I think, definitely something that you will find more value in if you are a fan of the game. That makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. It's 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 hard. Like. The first couple of pages of each of these are history of the world, history of the characters you're going to see, like, catch-up information. But really, I think this is ideally for people who are looking to sort of fill the gap and looking for content while they wait on Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, um, and there's quite a few books that have come out over the years that are that are clearly aimed at people who played a game or what yeah Yeah. Yeah. i think life is strange was very very much that way i think given that at least for me playing the game a lot of what really makes it something special is the time and focus given to supporting characters and characters in the middle of side quests it makes a lot of sense to have a comic talk about what that fallout is for one of the biggest of those characters. I get what you did there, Fallout. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, because I, I get the sense that, like, Horizon Forbidden West, we're not going to see a lot of the same characters. 
I would think not unless there happens to be a like a person maybe that goes with her yeah. for a period or something. Yeah, and but yeah, not many. This is one character who it could be, and maybe this explains yeah. how. But I don't, I don't think I've seen Talana in the trailer. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm not normally a big tie-in licensed comic person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this definitely plays for me because it's a game I love. Right, I was gonna say, yeah, you are the audience. Yeah, for this. I am one hundred percent. I think the the reader this comic expects. Yep. All right, is it still good? Ghosted in L.A. Number eleven. We learn what the fuck is haunting this house. <laughs> King of Nowhere. Number four. Uh, we learn the secret history of nowhere. And uh, hey, look, the government's a bunch of assholes. Batman number ninety six. Brian. Uh, we continue the Joker War and get a little bit more of his plot. I am always here for more Batman Harley Quinn teaming up. <sighs> yes. Far Sector number seven. Uh, we learn what is special about Joe's ring as she decides to basically enter the Matrix. Justice League number 50, Brian. Um, this is the end of the Justice League rules a planet arc <laughs> and we get uh we turns out Wonder Woman was right all along <laughs> Strange Adventures number 4 Brian God damn <laughs> Turns out we were right all along <laughs> and uh, Michael's having a real hard time proving it yeah. Gee, it's almost like uh government's cover shit up Ice Cream Man number 20 it's it's very good. It it's bedtime stories. You should read this book oh, on a boat. You should read this book with a goat. You should read this book in a box. You should read this book with a fox. I will read it here and there. I will read it anywhere. Yeah. Sex Criminals number thirty. This is the this is the last main issue. We have a an epilogue coming out next month. This is the answer to what happens to Susie after everything blows up. All right. Doctor Strange, number six, the unexpected last issue. Brian. Surprise! <laughs> uh, yeah, we get the conclusion of this arc, which is a damn good thing, since we also got the conclusion of this series. Okay. Nobody expected this. This was not pre-announced in any no. way. No. Also, Madame Mask has an unhealthy fixation with Tony Stark. Oh my god! Girl. Guardians of the Galaxy number five. Heather Douglas and Heather Douglas duke it out over who is the more valid Heather Douglas. <laughs> Strike Force number nine. Strike Force fights in a fighting pit on Monster Island. And oh boy, I hope everybody can trust Jessica with shapeshifters running around. And then Brian, bad reception number five. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the final story of this, uh, probably of the whole thing. Um, so I'm going to step outside of our normal "Is it still good?" format real quick, just to say, um, if you don't remember, this is a uh, this is an aftershock book that uh, is by Juan Do. Um, he is uh, basically everything in this. He does just about every you know color art writing. Amazing all of it. artist. Um, yeah. It, oh, it's beautiful. And this is about uh, two people who are getting married, one of which is like the most followed social media person on the planet. Uh, she's a singer-actress, and 
uh, huge, and it's about their wedding. Well, he, the husband is famous because he had just written a book called Off the Grid, which is about not, like, you know, don't, not f- doing social media at all and taking breaks from it and that kind of a thing. A modern day Darwin, so very, Greg. Yeah, it's very zeitgeist, right, right now. Um, and shit goes real, real <laughs> wrong uh, during this wedding in that a uh, murderer shows up and starts killing the people in what they figure out is the order of least to most followers on social media. Uh, and yeah, we, so we get the resolution to that and also the fallout of uh, what happens. And this, I would, certainly now that the whole thing is out, I would highly recommend this in trade. If we uh, if we end up doing at, you know at some point a live show again where we gotta pick books, this may be something I pick for you guys. Cool. Yeah. Wow, imagining a world where live shows are possible again, <laughs> inconceivable. Know, right? Next week's books to read. There. Next week's books to read. Woohoo! Uh, Seven Secrets number one. Tom Taylor's new creator-owned series, the most pre-ordered creator-owned series in Boom Comics history. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I had I had this on my list too. Yes. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert: it's actually the only one on my list because it's like the only number one coming out next week. Yeah, it is. It is. I put a I put a number three on my list just because I wanted to mention it. You again. did, and it's a good pick. What is it? Yeah. Uh, Adventure Man number three. Yes. Yeah. Just th- this book has been fantastic. The art is beautiful. I love literally. I love everything about this book. So I'm excited for another issue of it. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. It is. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can head on over to panelologypodcast.com if you want to listen to our backlog or find a link to our YouTube channel or find our Twitter handles or whatever. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash panelology. You can get merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M. Or you can send us questions and comments at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag. Again, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. You know what you should do this week? Go read comics. (laughs) 